Christmas is the season of giving, but it can be difficult to know who on your list wants what. Save yourself the guesswork by giving the gift of choice. Whether you're buying for the foodie, fashionista or homebird of the family, they'll love a Dunn Stores gift card. They can choose from everything we have in store and online, from fashion to homewares to groceries. It's the perfect choice to make this Christmas. Visit dunstores.com for details. Make Christmas for everyone. Terms and conditions apply. mystery i am your host kelly and i am your co-host austin and today we are giving you an update on the murdoch case so the case that never ends the case that literally and never seems to end it's going on live like we're 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 unraveling this new info yes as it happens yeah, and it's crazy because even as I finished writing this episode, more information was coming out and I was getting emails and, and I'm just like, I, I can't, I got to put a stop to it somewhere, right? So if you'll remember, when we finished part two, I made a statement at the end that I didn't want to talk about this anymore, but that if there were any big updates, I of course would let you all know. And I assumed that the updates would be small enough to just add to the beginning of a separate story, Right. But here we are with a whole new episode dedicated solely to the updates in this case because every single day, like I said... Breaking news. Yeah. There's more breaking stuff. And and it's not just little stuff. It's big stuff. So my goal with this episode today is to give you a chronological timeline of how things have unfolded since our last episode. So... Austin, if you'll remember, we left off with the shocking unsolved shooting deaths of Paul and Maggie Murdoch. So um, that happened on June 7th. They were gunned down on a family property discovered by the father and husband, Alec Murdoch, um, who said he just stumbled upon the crime scene on his way home from visiting his terminally ill father, who unfortunately died just days later. And we discussed possible suspects in that double homicide of Paul and Maggie, but as of today, there still have not been any arrests in that case. So we kind of just talked about like theories, right? Just who may have done it. And there was a theory that the family who had a death of a guy on a rural road. Mm -hmm. Stephen Smith. Stephen Smith's family had something to do with it. That was a theory. A theory, exactly. And then there was also theories that maybe it was someone connected to Mallory Beach who passed away in the boat crash with Paul. Um, None of these theories have been confirmed. So they are still just that. But um, we're not here to talk about that today. We're here to talk about what happened on September 3rd. Like a few days after the episode. Literally the day after we released that last episode. Yeah, so nuts. So Alex's law firm announced on um, September 3rd that they were forcing Alec to resign after it was discovered that he had been misappropriating funds. And a source close to the firm says that the amount is around $5 million, but the law firm has not confirmed that. It could be more. It could be less. I but mean, he I've, resigned. He, ha- he was forced to resign. Then that next day on Saturday, September 4th, okay, this was Labor Day weekend, around 1.30 p.m., Alec Murdoch was traveling on old Sakahatchee Road. I probably just butchered that, but in Hampton County. 
And he was supposedly driving to Charleston when he noticed an indicator light come on that one of his tires was low. So he was driving his late wife's Mercedes-Benz SUV. And important to note is that he was traveling on a back road, not on a major highway. There were I looked up a map um, just to see what the directions would have been like to get from his home in Moselle to Charleston, and it gives you routes that include these major highways, and Old Old Sackahatchee, however you say it, was not one of those routes. So, I mean, it's a little odd that he was taking this back road, but whatever. But also, the Mercedes he was driving was equipped with run-flat tires, which are capable of enduring 50 miles on, like, with no air due to an enhanced durability. So even though he had these special tires and he was only seven miles from home, I mean, he could have just gone home rather than pull over to the side of the road. So that was another thing. I can thing. see him pulling over, though, to check them. Just like- to check them, Sure. But you start hearing tires go, wah, 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 wah. you're going to get out and check it, run flat or not. Sure. But then Alec told his family and his attorney, John Griffin, that he was outside of his car assessing his tire when a truck drove past him, then turned around at St. John's Baptist Church nearby and came back towards him. And John Griffin said that according to Alec's original statement, the driver of the truck came to a stop and asked if he was having car trouble, to which Alec replied that he didn't know if he could change the tire or if he even had tools to do so. But then, to his surprise, the driver pulled out a gun and just shot him and then drove off. And the details about this driver were vague, just that it was a male driving a blue pickup truck, but he didn't provide any other details. And when we first heard this, Kelly was like, oh my God, he got shot on a side road, but there was no de- there were no de- details at all. And it was Correct. like the next day when some details came out, right? Yeah, slowly but surely things, you know, little details started coming out. And I thought, I was like, this just is so bizarre. Like for so many things to be surrounding this family, I made a, a TikTok. It was my first TikTok. If you're on there, go follow me, Mom Mystery. But um, I made a TikTok just saying like, you know, this is is like a can of worms. It's, this story is like an onion. There are so many layers to this story. And just when you think you've reached like the core, no. Well, I'm sure you were going to say this, but like just to get this out, because this is important. He got shot in the head. Correct. Yeah. So, and I'll get to that in just a second. So the driver of the truck drove off and Alec called 911 himself to report that he had been shot in the head. And Hampton County Sheriff's deputies responded to the scene, and Alec was ultimately airlifted to an area hospital with what were initially believed to be just superficial injuries. So a superficial injury is essentially a wound that leaves the deeper skin layers intact. They're essentially injuries to like the surface of your body. They don't typically involve muscle tissue or damage to internal organs. But it was in his head. Yes, and many of you are probably already aware that any cut to the head typically bleeds profusely, making it really confusing as to whether or not it's superficial or deeper. So the protocol is to treat it like it's a critical injury. An initial report included a box checked off stating, this is in the police report, stating that Alec Murdoch was found with 
no visible injuries. But then Sheriff Thomas Smalls, or otherwise known as TC, told Fox News that that was just an error and that the report had been updated. So that was a huge issue for a lot of people. They were like, this report isn't matching up. It's saying that he has no injuries, but it was just a mistake. The updated report indicated that a major injury occurred and also authorities subtly changed the boxes for using alcohol and using drugs from no to unknown in both categories. Weird. Mm-hmm. So Alec Murdoch's injuries were confirmed at the hospital and included an entry and exit wound, a skull fracture, and minor brain bleeding in two places, which is what his lawyer confirmed that Thursday. The wound, he said, was not self-inflicted, but the whole story left a lot of people confused and a little suspicious of that. What are the odds you get shot in the head and you don't die anyways? Like, it's got to be slim to none, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm sh- I know it happens, but yeah, I mean, you would think this is just too weird. <laughs> I don't know. Let me just keep going. So then two days later on the 6th, Alec Murdoch released a statement, and the statement read, quote, The murders of my wife and son have caused an incredibly difficult time in my life. I have made a lot of decisions that I truly regret. I'm resigning from my law firm and entering rehab after a long battle that has been exacerbated by these murders. I am immensely sorry to everyone I've hurt, including my family, friends, and colleagues. I ask for prayers as I rehabilitate myself and my relationships, end quote. Freaking weird. So, yeah, so then it comes out that he's going to rehab for a drug addiction. And then it kind of starts making those suspicions even stronger. Like, this doesn't seem right. It seems like this is way too fishy, that he would just get shot in the head in the middle of the day off some road. Like, I don't know, I just seemed too weird. I, I was suspicious of it. I know a lot of people were. So by that Wednesday, his law license was indefinitely suspended by the South Carolina Supreme Court. And, you know, I'll admit, when I first watched all of this unfold, I thought this was a failed suicide attempt. And I actually had people commenting on the post on Instagram about this. And um, I... I agreed with some people who said that they thought it was a failed suicide attempt and that it wasn't like this random driver wasn't involved. In fact, I heard that um, the slice in his tire was made by a knife, which was found nearby and connected to Alec Murdoch. So it just all seemed like he's setting this up to look like a suicide. He got out, sliced his tire, picks up a gun, shoots himself. Where was was the gun found? Okay, so let me let me get to that. Ah. <laughs> so anyway, it just seemed like Alec Murdoch's life was completely falling apart. Every single day, this new jaw-dropping allegation or event was coming out. He went from being... I want you to put this in perspective, okay? He went from being one of South Carolina's leading lawyers from a well-known, prominent legal family, former president of the South Carolina Association for Justice, to inadvertently being involved in the boat crash death of a beautiful young girl, Mallory Beach, to losing his wife and son in an unsolved double homicide, to then losing his father to cancer that same week, to being forced to resign from the law firm that he worked for when it was discovered he had been stealing 
And then to top it all off, he gets shot in a random attack on the side of the road. Like, it, all in like a all in the span months, of a couple months, or a year, whatever. Yeah, yeah, of one summer. Um, so a wild summer. Yeah, so it just seemed way too fishy to be true. You know, this is wilder than fiction, and sometimes the truth is stranger than fiction. But it all just seemed to culminate into what I believed was a failed suicide attempt, and I know I wasn't alone in that assumption. And we were right. No way. After Alex was released from the hospital, he immediately entered rehab for his opioid addiction. And it was there that he admitted to his lawyers, John Griffin and Dick Harputlian, what really happened that day on that back road. When did this come out? So this came out earlier this week. And his lawyer released a statement that reads... Quote, on September 4th, it became clear Alec believed that ending his life was his only option. Today, he knows that's not true. For the last 20 years, there have been many people feeding his addiction to opioids. During that time, these individuals took advantage of his addiction and his ability to pay substantial funds for legal, illegal drugs. One of those individuals took advantage of his mental illness and agreed to take Alec's life by shooting him in the head. Fortunately, Alec was not killed by the gunshot wound. Alec is fully cooperating with SLED in their investigations into his shooting, opioid use, and the search to find the person or people responsible for the murder of his wife and son. Alec is not without fault, but he is just one of many whose life has been devastated by opioid addiction, end quote. That's freaking wild. So yesterday on September 14th, agents from SLED arrested 61-year-old Curtis Edward Smith in connection to Alec Murdoch's assisted suicide. Curtis Smith has been charged with a variety of charges. So assisted suicide, assault and battery of a high aggravated nature, pointing and presenting a firearm, insurance fraud, and conspiracy to commit insurance fraud. Since the reason Alec hired someone to kill him, kill him, excuse me, was to allow his life insurance benefits to be paid out to his one surviving son, Buster, to the tune of $10 million. Curtis has also been charged with distribution of methamphetamine and possession of marijuana. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Exactly. So Dick Harpootlian, sorry, that is a a difficult name to say. Um, Dick H. Yeah. Dick H. revealed that this was all an attempt on Alec's part to protect his child Buster. But since the suicide was a fail, he didn't want law enforcement to waste any time on this fake crime when they could be investigating the death of his wife and son. Which to me, that kind of just like raised a red flag in my head because I was thinking, well, what were you planning on doing if you died? Like, of course they would have been looking for whoever killed you. And that would have taken away looking for whoever killed Maggie and Paul. So that didn't really make a lot of sense to me when I read that, but whatever. Dick went on the Today Show, and rather than me go on and just read the transcript to you, I thought it would be better if I just play that interview interview for you because I feel like it reveals a lot of good information. So I'm going to go ahead and play that now. Run it. Joining us now exclusively is Alec Murdoch's attorney, Dick Harputlian. Dick, good morning to you, sir. Good morning. 
Dick, you've prosecuted serial killers, university presidents. You've represented uh, some, some characters over the year. You have to admit, this is, this is a pretty unbelievable story. Your client claiming that he paid someone to shoot him to collect $10 million in insurance money and the guy missed? Is that the story? Well, let me, let me elaborate. Um, on Monday, Jim Griffin and I, Alex's attorneys, traveled to an out-of-state detox facility where uh, we actually had the first conversation we've ever had with him when he wasn't on opioids or oxy. Um, and as a result of that, he clearly uh, knew what he had done was wrong and explained to us a couple of things. One, uh, the murder of, of his son and wife uh, 90 days ago uh, took a tremendous uh, toll on him. His father died of cancer that same week. Uh, most people couldn't get through that. He got through it uh, with the use of opioids. And um, then uh, last week, uh, a week ago, actually, uh, he, uh, it was uncovered that he had uh, perhaps, well, not perhaps, he had uh, converted uh, some client and, and law firm money to his own use to, and again, spent most of that on opioids. Um, and on that Saturday morning, um, he was uh, trying to get off the opioids. Uh, he was uh, not taking any of them, was in a massive depression, realized that things were going to get very, very, very bad. Um, and he decided to end his life. He believed that $10 million policy had a suicide exclusion. Suicide exclusions are only good for two years, and he didn't realize that. So he arranged to have this guy shoot him. Now, what's amazing about this, this guy is somebody that was providing, and, and, and by the way, Alex is to totally cooperated with SLED. We called SLED. They didn't call us. Um, and gave them the whole statement, indicated he called this guy um, who met him on the side of the road, agreed to shoot him in the head, um, and uh, this fake uh, car breakdown. Uh, 30 minutes later, this guy's shooting him in the head. Didn't try to persuade him not to do it. Didn't hesitate at all. Um, and uh, he did. There was an entrance and exit wound. It was, uh, yeah. and, and Alec indicated he, he collapsed. Uh, he was blind for a while uh, before he was taken to the hospital. So it was an attempt on his part to do something to protect his child. He this is, he, he didn't want it, law enforcement spending more time on this fake crime okay. instead of focusing on solving uh, the murders of, of Maggie and Paul. Okay, so let's talk about Maggie and Paul here, Dick, because your, your client lied about the circumstances under which he was shot. It, it, it wouldn't be a stretch for folks to think that he probably also lied about the circumstances under which his wife and son were shot. Well, that, that uh, and I, look, I've spent the last year and a half with Maggie and Paul and Alec. I represented Paul on the boat case, um, met with them dozens of times. Uh, they were very affectionate. They, they Maggie and Paul uh, and Alec all together, uh, Paul and, I mean, Maggie and Alec holding hands. He is totally distraught. I've, we've talked to him at length about it this week. Uh, clearly, he is distraught about their death. But, but he did, he, did Dick, not did he, murder Dick, them. Dick, so, Dick, he didn't murder them. Does he perhaps know who did and why? I don't think he does. I don't think he does. But, but Jim Griffin and I are working on and investigating uh, an individual or individuals we believe may, may have, uh, have some culpability or had did, done it. And we're in the process of doing that. We're not SWED. We're not law enforcement. We don't have their tools. But we think... Uh, we'll know this week whether whether the one suspect we're looking at bears for, further scrutiny, and we'll make that information available to law enforcement. And what would, but, the, what would the motive I, I, have been? I'm sorry? What would the motive be? I, I'm sorry, you're breaking up a little bit. What, what would the motive be, Dick? 
Um, well, that would reveal who that person is, but it's personal. I mean, the, the motive would be personal. These reports that your client stole millions of dollars from, from the law firm, did he use all of that money to buy drugs or did he use some of the millions for, for other things? The vast majority of it, as I understand it, was used to buy drugs. That's a lot and, of Dick, that's a lot of oxy. Well, well, well okay, so let me, uh, it is, I mean, um, but, but, but in his interview that we made him available for on Monday with Sled on the phone from the detox center, he explained he wrote checks for most of this. This is not, I mean, it gave them the bank accounts, totally cooperated um, and, and told them how to find out how much he spent, where it went where the bank accounts were, what went in, what came out, and what was spent, uh, checks written to drug dealers. Do you fully expect that your client is, is going to be arrested in, in the near future? Yes, I think he will be charged. Um, I think that what, we, but what he doesn't want and we don't want is an, uh, an effort to, uh, to deal with these issues, distracting from and using law enforcement resources that could be used to solve the murders of Maggie and Paul. And again, to be clear, there's no connection between the shooting on the side of the road that he faked and the killing of his wife and son. Not, none whatsoever, except he was in a dark, dark, dark place and wanted to help his son in any way he could, the remaining son, Buster, um, in any way he could. And he thought this was the only way he could leave him with anything. Alec Murdoch's uh, attorney, Dick Carpootlian, with us this morning. Dick, thank you. Thanks for your time, sir. All right. So what are your thoughts, Austin? I think it's buck wild. And it doesn't stop. And there's been more coming out this week. And this is nuts. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to know who this person of interest is that they're curious about. If it's um, personal. Who's that make you think it is? I think it. my initial thought is that it's someone in that drug world that maybe he owed money to or someone that was trying to send a message. If it's personal, I mean, it's really hard because that's such a vague statement. Because it could be, it could be, what's the girl that passed away? Mallory Beach. It, and who was her boyfriend that was pissed that night at it, Paul? Right. I mean, it could have been personal in that regard. There's a lot of personal people against these people. Yeah. There's a lot of families who have been negatively affected by the Murdoch family, which <laughs> brings me to my next point, well, Austin. A, I, I think it's drug related too. So. That's a lot of money to spend on drugs. It is. And then it just came out that um, the. The coroner said that Gloria Shatterfield, who was their um, housekeeper, who passed away in 2018, she was the Murdoch's fam- Murdoch family's housekeeper. She passed away at their house, and her death was ruled natural on the death certificate. But apparently, that was inconsistent with injury sustained in a trip and fall incident. So it was like originally what? ruled that. She died from natural causes due to just an accidental trip and fall. Wait, when did this come out? So this happened in 2018, but it's just now coming out that SLED is going to reopen that case and investigate because there was, um, there was a settlement that came out of her death where the family was supposed to be awarded, I believe, $500,000. They have not received a single dime. So, is, so when, how long has he been on drugs? I don't know. You don't know? I don't know. Probably a a long time, though. So, and that's just another layer to this onion. I mean, that's a whole other story in itself is the death of their housekeeper. So, I mean, 
This is just absolutely insane. I fully expect a Dateline episode or two or five to be dedicated to this story. Um, And I imagine that the next steps here will be that Alec will hopefully complete his stay in rehab. And upon release, he'll probably be charged for the crimes he's committed, which will likely be related to the insurance fraud, the drug use, the misappropriated funds. And who knows? Right. Who knows what else at this point? Um, This is, like I've said, an ongoing and developing story that literally changes by the minute, it seems like. And every single day, there's something new. Multiple podcasts have dedicated entire shows to this story. And we have all we have here are three episodes, which is the most I've ever written for just one story. So unlike last time where I said I won't be talking about it anymore, I'm sure I will have updates for you in the future. How old is Buster? Oh, I think he's in his 20s. I can't think of his age off the top of my head. But um, stay tuned for more updates. But in the meantime, we are going to switch gears and talk about a different story in our next episode, which is the murder of Bianca Devins. So I hope you'll stick around for that as we intend to debut that episode later this week. Thank you so much for listening. Hold on. I'm going to add something. Oh, okay. I just Googled Buster. Okay. He's 25. Mm-hmm. This was released September 13th, so two days ago on Monday. Mm -hmm. And it said he was seen for the first time. He looks like he's dumping trash or something. And it said, Buster, 25, refused to answer DailyMail.com's questions when approached, but did acknowledge that he had spoken to his father in recent days. He said, I have no interest in commenting on any of y'all's questions. He was seen with a woman believed to be a family member arriving at the family beach home early Friday afternoon. Dressed casually in flip-flops, chinos, and a white t-shirt bearing the logo Blue Heaven, Buster packed up belongings, loaded them to a waiting Cadillac. He is the solo heir to his father's South Carolina legal dynasty after his brother Paul, 22, and Maggie, 52, were shot dead in June. Which, as of now, there's probably not going to be much left of that dynasty, if I yeah. had to guess. Gosh. It's a really unfortunate Which situation. he had no idea his dad was on drugs, I'm sure. Well, I don't know. I, I've had a parent so. addicted to things i won't go into that but i knew very i was very very aware but we you know our family kept it as quiet as we could we didn't just air it out there and i know they were probably the same way especially being this prominent well-known family they don't want people knowing i mean i'm sure people knew but it wasn't this wide-known thing like hey alec murdoch's on opioids so crazy mama see you soon (laughs) out bye